0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone.
1: So today, of course, is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, For some, you've heard this story many times. You might even be wondering to yourself right now, what could I possibly hear that's new or interesting about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? For others, this may be your very first time hearing it or first time with serious questions wondering, how could Jesus raise from the dead? Whatever your experience, I invite you to enter into this story as if for the very first time. That's what I did this week. I read our passage from John as if I had never heard it before. I asked questions about what it means and why this matters for us. So I invite you to do the same. Listen closely. Listen as if this were quite possibly the most important story you'll ever hear. Strain your ears and hear now the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Brian is going to read for us from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord.
0: Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned and said to him in Hebrew, "Rabuni," which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, that she had said these things to her.
1: And from Acts chapter 10, 34 and 35, then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, Make us an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. May we hear you speak into our lives today. Renew and remake us. Transform our lives in the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, who was crucified and by a variety of signs outright dead, has suddenly, inexplicably come back to life. When Mary sees Jesus, she says, Rabboni, which John tells us means teacher. That seems like a strange way to greet someone raised from the dead, doesn't it? Well, before we go too far, uh, I have a riddle for you. It, It comes from the ancient Sumerians, and no cheating, don't use your cell phone, that's no fun. It goes like this, whoever enters it has closed eyes, whoever departs from it has eyes that are wide open. What is it? I'll tell you the answer in just a moment, but as you ponder that, I want to share with you what life under the pandemic has been like in my household. Over the summer, the nursery school here at Grace was short a teacher because of COVID. Emily, my wife, decided to help out, and that meant I had the unique opportunity to stay home with my children while they did virtual schooling at home. When Emily and I first got married, we had a plan for raising our children. Emily was a certified elementary age teacher, and I had worked with junior and senior high youth. So Emily was the expert when it came to the young, and I would handle things when they were older. Turns out that's not at all how parenting works, but me home with the boys helping with schoolwork was definitely not what I imagined when we first made that agreement. Although to be fair, we weren't planning on a global pandemic either. Many parents have had to go through this. Many of us have been uh, become de facto teachers for our children at home during COVID. I heard on the radio, some parents are struggling so much that they are demanding that we pay teachers millions of dollars more because of how hard it is to teach. Perhaps one of the toughest challenges are all the little things that happen. My son, Davey, showed me the other day how he learned to make an electro battery with a magnet and some paper clips. Then he wanted to show me the way he figured out to to charge up his battery by dragging his magnet across his computer. And I jumped in, whoa, whoa, buddy, you don't want to do that. Magnets can destroy your computer. With my other son, Hal, he's been struggling with math. It's not the equations he has trouble with, it's the monotony, answering the same questions over and over and over. At one point he said definitively he was not going to do any more problems. And what am I gonna do, bribe him? I'll be poor real fast if that's the way I start to handle things. So instead, I go to his desk and I say, I'm just going to look at some of the problems. Now, I'm actually a little scared at this point Have you ever tried uh, looking at your kid's homework and you had no clue what the instructions were asking for? Not having any context can be tough and it feels embarrassing to not know. So I cautiously peer at the task and breathe a sigh of relief. I know this. I know how to do this. It's straightforward math. And I start reading the questions out loud. Now Hal, he is a smart kid. He knows the answers. He can't help himself But to show off his knowledge, he starts answering the questions and before you know it, the whole assignment is done. Yes. Super dad, teacher extraordinaire strikes again. But I know this isn't about me, this is about my children. It's about them learning and growing and having every advantage they can so they can live the best life possible. Sometimes parents don't get this right. I think of the college admissions scandals from a few years ago. Parents were paying people to lie about activities their children did in school so they would have better resumes. The lesson their children are really learning is that cheating is fine, that getting ahead is all that matters. Those parents are teaching the wrong things. I read recently about one young person who applied for a job at a financial software firm. His parents invited themselves along to his job interview clearly that's going too far that is teaching the wrong thing but we want the best for those around us we want our children our family members our friends and those to whom we are closest to have their eyes opened let's come back to that riddle whoever enters it has closed eyes whoever departs from it has eyes that are wide open what is it have you figured out the answer Yes, it's a school, school. Now school is not just about a diploma or a degree. Maybe we like the notoriety of big name school or we are following in our family's footsteps and where we go. But the real reason we go to school is to expand our minds, to open us to the world in new and amazing ways. We go as children, as young people to discover next steps in our lives. Some go to graduate school to learn new skills or to change careers. These are all steps to open our eyes wide. But there's a problem. You can present new information. You can teach the material to a student, but you can't make them change. Many of our parents have tried with their children. You've seen teachers on Zoom try and fail. The transformation that's supposed to happen with teaching is hard to do. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. With Jesus' resurrection, Mary is the first to go to the tomb and discover it's been opened. At this point, she is probably scared. An open grave could have signaled grave robbers. People would steal the valuables buried with a body. And Mary is likely running back to the disciples to get reinforcements. If you're a skeptic of the resurrection, you might be wondering, did grave robbers take Jesus' body and the rest of this story is simply made up? It's incredibly unlikely, but feel free to read up on it yourself. The disciples, they run to the tomb, they don't see anyone in there, and so they leave. Mary, who we didn't know was running back with the disciples, goes into the tomb after the others leave. Perhaps she was no longer afraid because Peter and John had already checked it, but then she sees two angels and a man she doesn't recognize. The scriptures tell us she thought it was the gardener, but what she says is, if you took Jesus's body, tell me where you put it so I can bring it back. It seems like she thinks this is a criminal, but it's not. We know who it is. It's Jesus. And when he calls her name, she calls him Rabboni, which means teacher. I always thought it was strange that she calls him teacher. A dead man comes back to life, and you call him teacher? In truth, it was my own ignorance that made this incongruent. We may be familiar with the Jewish term for a pastor or priest, rabbi, but did you know it has three different forms. The first is Rab, which meant someone who was now a master. They had gone through school and had earned the respect of their peers. I think of a valedictorian, the highest in the class is now a master of the material. They are a Rab. After that was the Rabbi. This could be a teacher in school with children. It could also be the leader who interprets the Jewish scriptures. It wasn't Quite a priest back then, but that's good enough. The final form was Rabboni, which meant my great master. And Signal not only was this a teacher of religion, this was a master who had generations of disciples. The teacher had to raise up other teachers that would then go and raise up other teachers themselves. It seems to me that perhaps Mary is recognizing in an instant that what has just happened is so profound, so incredible, it will guarantee generations of disciples. Her eyes have been opened and the great master has taught her maybe the most important lesson. Jesus is Lord even over death itself. And this is eventually what the disciples work out, that if Jesus can come back to life after his crucifixion, then all of us can have life too. We can live differently because we don't have to fear death. We can also live differently because we don't have to fear God. God made a way for us to be connected with him. That's awesome. That's good news. But here's the thing. We can know that in our heads. We can know about Jesus and about his resurrection. But until that gets to our hearts, it's not going to transform our lives. It's like trying to teach someone who doesn't want to learn. Hearing this story is a great first step, but we have got to go beyond that. God doesn't just want us to hear this. God wants our lives to be changed so that we become disciples of Jesus, making other disciples of Jesus. When Jesus was first raised from the dead, it took the 12 disciples of Jesus some time to figure this out. We actually read in the book of Acts, which takes place over the next few years after the resurrection, that they didn't really know what to do. They kept meeting together, they prayed and began helping people in the city, but they didn't know what was next. Eventually they realized this message, this good news about Jesus' death and resurrection is not just for them, it's for everyone, literally everyone. So they start traveling the globe, declaring it everywhere, even to the very capital of the Roman Empire. When these people saw Jesus alive, they were transformed. Their whole lives went from living in their heads about right and wrong to going out into the world living the transformed life Jesus was calling them to. David Benner calls this transformational knowing. It goes beyond what a school can teach you. It is our very being reconstructed to glorify God I think of my dad who went through a huge life transformation like that several years ago my wife and I were on a retreat in Maryland and I got a call from my brother he called to tell me that my dad was in the hospital and that's all he knew Well, eventually I found out my mom and sister had gone out to the movies, and my dad was home alone. He wasn't feeling quite right, so he decided to go for a walk. Instead of the usual path to the left, he decided to go right that day, a decision that likely saved his life. As he walked, he suffered a heart attack. And as he fell to the ground, a woman was watching out her window and happened to see him fall. She immediately dialed 911. On the other side of the street, another neighbor saw him collapse, and he was a certified trainer in CPR. He began chest compressions until the ambulance arrived. When I saw him the next day in the hospital, we had no idea what to expect. He was physically alive, but he could have been completely brain dead. They had cooled his body down so it wouldn't be damaged, and we're going to slowly bring him out of this state. When he opened his eyes, we rejoiced. When he squeezed my mom's hand, we celebrated. When he started making jokes about not knowing who my mom was, we knew my dad was back, so we danced. It wasn't just head knowledge. This was transformational knowing. We would continue to live life with my father in it. And what do you think my dad did with this second lease on life? Did he just go right back to his old life? Heck no. He got serious about his diet and about exercising. He took early retirement so he could slow down and enjoy life more. He listened closely for God's voice to hear just how it was that God wanted to use him to bring glory to God's kingdom. Now, my dad doesn't always get it right. He's not perfect, but his life has been reordered by transformational knowing. His First-hand encounters with life and death have changed what it means for him to live and for him to live for God. Jesus wants us to be similarly transformed. The best teachers are the ones that help us move from our heads to our hearts, from knowing something to believing it. Jesus helped Mary to see Jesus not just as a rabbi, as a good teacher, but as one who would change the world from generation to generation. How will you pass on that revolution of mind and heart? How will you be transformed by your own encounter with the living Christ? I invite you to be a great teacher yourself, sharing God's good news with the world, making disciples as you learn and grow and teach others. Join the journey of millions of others as you take your next step to know in your heart, the great master alive today. Amen, amen.
0: For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.